Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO. That's betterhelp.com DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. All right, and welcome back to the show, Mrs. DSO. Hello. And we have a third guest on today. Yeah, what are we going to call her? Miss? Well, I've already told everyone that I call her Bean. Oh, okay. So, welcome Bean. She's she quiet right she now. She doesn't have much to say. Bean is our newborn. And for those that don't know, Mrs. D, let me give the overview here. Because there's going to be some people that have never, ever heard this show before. All right, so welcome. I'm DSO, which stands for Dad Starting Over. Go to the website, dadstartingover.com, blah, bitty, blah, bitty, blah. Um, I was married before. It didn't end too well. And in that first marriage, I had three kiddos. And then I married Mrs. DSO here, sitting next to me here. And we've been together for going on eight years now. Wow, going on eight years now. And we just had our first and only, yes, hopefully, fingers no, crossed. For sure. For sure. <laughs> uh, baby. And that baby's sitting in with us today. And her nickname is Bean. And she is officially four weeks old now. And she's doing well. And I thought we would. Uh, be cool to have a little episode just talking all about our experience bringing Bean into the world. <laughs> there she is. There's going to be a lot of that. I'm sorry. I'll try to. <laughs> Edit it if out. she gets a little too crazy, I'll probably pause and we'll continue on. But um, anywho, uh, talk about our experience bringing her into the world and uh, its effect on us so far. It's still, but you know, it's still early. It's oh, only, yeah. it's not even, she's not even a month old technically yet. Things can still go south. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> Where to begin? Let's well, talk about b- what bringing her into the world and what our experience was with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, wh- why we're doing this is because uh, we noticed that a lot of the stories that you hear from other people start with everything was great and then the kids came. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, trying to add a little bit of the perspective of, so what does the kid really change? Why, why are things so bad? It, it, not really bad, but what is the... The, the cause of all why does it change the dynamics so much yes. why is it that all of these men that i talk to not all of them a lot of them well let me back up when i ask guys the guys that i talk to who pay me money to talk to me for an hour at a time um they talk to me not because hey things are great and i would just love to share you my my story of how awesome my marriage is no most of the guys that talk to me are like yeah things have gone shitty marriage wise i'm divorced or about to get there or i would really like not to go there and they will tell me about their dead bedroom situation. And for those that aren't familiar with the term, it just means we're not nearly having nearly as much sex as I, the man, would love to have. And then I say, all right, let's back up. When did you notice things start to go south? A man will tell me one of two things. As soon as we got married slash lived together, because so a lot of men these days I'm noticing don't really officially tie the knot legally, but they just kind of do the whole common law thing of living together and all that fun stuff. And then the the thing, though, I hear more than often than not is, man, as soon as we had a kid, everything just kind of changed. So let's explore that whole dynamic. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know why. Just her, her dumb grunts just cracked me up. This kid grunts more than any child I've ever heard. She grunts all night. She's just gassy, I guess. She's just perturbed with the world. I don't know. She's just grunting. So you're going to hear grunts throughout this. But anywho, um, this was not what we call an easy delivery, was it? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't terrible. <laughs> but but um, You know what's funny? Okay. Let yeah, me st- it wasn't great. Let me stop there. Um, you are, you, Mrs. DSO, are probably a self-described type A type of person. Yes. And which means you're controlling. Yes. 
which means you, but to your defense though, you recognize I got a little bit of a controlling streak to me. I need to tune that down somewhat, especially now that I'm in this relationship and I want to keep this guy around. I can't be miscontrolling all the time. I got to let him take control every now and then and just let it go every now and then. And me, I'm the first to tell you, hey, you're being a controlling guy. And this has never been like a huge, holy crap, negative thing in a relationship. It's almost been like a cute thing of yours is that you're just trying to kind of take the reins of things. Yes, it's just naturally me. I'm just a natural born leader taking on things and i've always surrounded myself with people that wanted to be led so you're probably the only person in my life that mm. is not like that and so I see. you have to sometimes remind me hey there's two people in this relationship making decisions and yeah um so yeah I, so I think the reason i bring this up yeah is because going into this you very much have had a, an opinion of uh, or or a well, a birth plan is an air, an air of, hey, this is how this is going to go. And I kind of had this air of sitting back with a smirk on my face and, uh huh. <laughs> we'll see. Hey, I hope so. I hope you're right. And we get to the hospital. Let's well, go there. Okay, let's put it this way. So, yeah. this is my only baby ever. Yes, and you're going to. My first one. Yes. And so, from day one, I was Mrs. Uh, super healthy. I'm, I'm going to work out. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to eat right. I mean, that I didn't mm-hmm. actually do very well. And hey, you were <laughs> swimming and going to the gym. The day, the day before the induction. The day before induction. Yeah. And induction, for those that don't know, means we went to the hospital and they said, we're going to give you some drugs that are going to make this delivery happen. Because. You um, had a a, a, um, a, what so, you, a condition yeah. called poly polyhydramnios. Polyhydramnios. Yeah. So let's let's back up into that okay. a little bit. So uh, from day one of this pregnancy, here's this controlling taking over. There you <laughs> from go. day one of my pregnancy, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to have this baby the natural way. I don't want any yes, medication. Yes, that was what I was going with this. Yeah. I want a natural birth, and so I prepped my body. I thought by being as healthy as possible, and um, then towards the end of the pregnancy, things kind of went down south. Where you know the OB um, told me, oh, you're a little old for having baby so you're already a high-risk pregnancy and then this whole thing with your extra water in your uterus the condition called polyhydramnios i don't like that so much so we're you're at a high risk for things going wrong here so we're going to make that baby come two mm-hmm. weeks earlier than she should be so right away that was a uh, that was a slap upside your controlling head that was the world saying this ain't going to go exactly the way you want well that's fine but i'm yeah. still going to do this naturally i'm not doing any epidural I'm going natural. I've read books. I've watched videos. I've done this. And we get to the hospital and they're like, here's, here's your drugs to induce labor. And for those that aren't aware, um, this kicks the pain up a few notches. Yeah, but you know, the, so they, they said, okay, Miss, you want miscontrolling, you want to do this naturally, so we're going to give you the mildest drug to That's start right. with. That's right. So they gave me the mildest, so we go in on Wednesday, I get the mildest drug to start with, and it does nothing but go, send me into contractions starting at like 2 a.m. that morning that are just bad enough to not be able to sleep, but not bad enough to do any, any damage. <laughs> and so they check everything after like six, eight hours, and they look inside my you know, privates, and they're like, yeah, nothing has really happened. This birth isn't going to happen. We have to take it up a notch. <laughs> I like the term privates. <laughs> they look in your private. <laughs> well, and then they added another medication. Yeah, okay, let's, okay, time for part two. Let's crank this up another notch. Yeah. Now, when was it that you officially said, you know what? I'm done. Yeah. Well, this. so, well, this was, a, so they gave me this, the second thing, I think the Thursday afternoon, and by Thursday night or so i was having like you were sleeping on your uncomfortable couch i was having contractions like every three minutes and spent up the whole night on this bouncing ball pushing through it thinking this is awesome this is going to do something i can do this powering through while mister here was pretty much sleeping oh what else am i supposed to do yeah exactly and then (laughs) and then then and then they come in again look up my privates and say yeah still nothing is happening here so we're gonna have to kick it up another notch Mm. Third and third drug at this point. Now, uh, let me pause you there. For those that don't know, I've never listened to this before. Mrs. DSO here is a, is a medical doctor. So I think this kind of sends the... The other doctors in the room that con- are treating me. This kind of t- takes the yeah. controlling, hey, I know what the hell's going on, listen to me kind of thing, to a whole other level. This isn't just some... Sally off the street here. This is a lady who's like, I know all the jargon. I know what you all are doing, and I know the next steps here, and this is what we're going to do, and this is my plan. All right, drug number one, drug number two, 
Drug number three. Oh, holy shit, here comes the contractions. Yes. This is for real now. Yeah, it, well, they broke my water. Oh, that's right. They gave me the that really strong drug, and I had contractions. You were there. Yep, that's when that's when your wow. face told me, like, this is for real. Yes. And then that's when you said, yeah, I, th- I think it's time for the old epidural. Well, yes, I mean, they came every 90 seconds at the maximum intensity, and he, he was there. I was squeezing his hand with every contraction, and I did this for an hour. And I asked them, how much longer is it going to be at this level? Because I can do this another hour, but that's about it. And they said, oh, yeah, this could be 6, 8, 10, 12 hours. I'm like, yeah, give me that give me that drug. Give me that yeah. epidural. And we had a little bit of a concern with the epidural because you had back surgery about, excuse me, about a year prior were um, two back surgeries, rather, mm. to fix a herniated disc and then to fix the problems they caused by the bad erroneous first surgery etc etc so they're putting this epidural for those that don't know what an epidural is they administer a drug directly into your spine that causes everything from basically the waist down to be completely numb so you don't feel anything that's amazing and so they did that and you're sitting down everything went fine with the administering of it. i was a little nervous about what if this aggravates what was a pretty horribly painful thing you went through with your previous back stuff, but oh, yeah. so far so good. We're fine with that. She didn't feel, the she didn't feel anything. They did a wow. perfect job with that. Laid you down. Oh my, my legs are starting to feel a little numb. Here comes the contraction. Oh really? I don't even feel it. Oh, oh yeah. this is From amazing. From then on, it was walk in the park. And then, well, and, and guess <laughs> what? It was another twelve hours till I was ready to push. Yeah. So I would have had to suffer. I wouldn't have been able to make it for so 12 hours. What we later <laughs> learned was, it, it seems, we're not exactly sure, the baby was kind of at, at a weird angle. Yeah. She wasn't all ready to go perfectly lined up and let's just shoot this baby out. So we were pushing and pushing and pushing. Four hours. Four hours. And we had two, three nurses come in. We're like, here's what you need to do. You need to lay on your side. You need to do this. You need to take this ball thing. They literally, I don't know how to describe this contraption they flying brought out. Co- flying cowgirl. Oh. Actually, was it called Flying Cowgirl? That was the one where the one nurse <laughs> made the joke about the reverse cowgirl. Yeah. They had a position called Flying Cowgirl, and the the, the, the requisite slutty nurse. There's always one. Yes. <laughs> Every room has a slutty nurse. She's like, unlike reverse cowgirl, not quite the same thing. Ha ha. I'm like, all right. It's yeah, not, not quite, in the mood right now. Yeah, not it's not time. quite the time for this, Sally. Not the time. So, anywho, <laughs> they brought out some contraption, which basically like a, a bar, like a reverse U an upside down U bar shaped bar that went over your bed and connected in one end, connected the other. And then they tied a sheet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A sheet to that tied a knot and said, grab onto this sheet and pull up on it. Like you're doing a forced sit up and then push. Yeah. for four. (laughs) And I'm looking at this going, what the hell's going on? What is this? It's like 2 a.m. in the morning. Saturday. And you're grabbing a sheet and pulling it and doing sit ups and pushing and nothing's happening. Yeah. This baby isn't basically, they can just see the little tippy top of her head. They're like, I don't know what's going on. She's not coming out of there. And, and then finally after... It was 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. in the morning. Where you just finally said, let's well, just... Well, but my this. OB came in. She just had yeah. that look on her face like, well, I mean, we can keep going like this, but, you know... day, maybe. No, she said a few more hours because if you hit the 24-hour mark oh, after right, breaking your water, you're running risk of the risk of infection. But being a physician, I also know what other risks I was running at that point, and you can run the risk of having profuse uterus bleeding and die from that. And I was at that point where I was like, yeah, you know, I've, I've tried given this the good old yeah. try here for, for three days. I haven't slept much in three days, like an hour at a time here and there. I was morally completely yep. uh, yeah, hitting it's the just load. Done. Yeah. So done, I was done. like, let's just get this baby out. I don't All care. right. So off to the C-section. OR to do the C-section. Yep. And for those that don't know what that a C-section is, short for cesarean, which means actually uh, cut your guts open and rip, you op- rip the uterus open with their hands and pull the baby out. So we went to do that. And I was actually pretty squeamish about, I don't want to see all that shit. I don't like seeing that gross stuff. It's okay. And, you know, little pictures here and there. But to see live them ripping my wife's guts open, I don't know if I can deal with this. And they let, they you know, they reassured me, like, no, there's a big sheet curtain there or whatever. You're not going to see anything. But I'll be goddamn if we didn't go in the OR in, like, every five minutes. Do you want to see, Dad? Do you want to look? No. No, I really don't. That's cool. Thanks. It's coming out, Dad. Do you want to see? I'm like sticking my phone over the curtain going click, click. <laughs> and I actually gave the phone to a nurse that here, you, you just go around the sheet there and take pictures. And she did. And they were every bit as gross as I thought they would they were be. Amazing. Just seeing I'm going to blow them all up and hang them on the wall. That's pretty gross. And so out came baby. And she's a big, fat Buddha looking thing. Mm-hmm. But she was actually uh, seven pounds, 14, but she looked like she was about 10 pounds something. Yeah, she, she was, was just short. Chubby. She's yeah. kind of petite, little chubby thing. She is. 
and then um, everything was perfect. She was fine. They yeah. zipped, zipped you up and uh, back to the room for recovery. And uh, make a long story short, recovery was very annoying with the nurses. That oh was, God. man, it was, do we want to plug the, the, the uh, hospital here? No. no. It was a hospital in Texas. Let's just say that. And they, it was great up to that point. And then we were just, just spoiled, and man, they dropped the ball after that. Yeah, I asked for a freaking Tylenol after having had a C-section, and it doesn't ever arrive. But no, they keep pushing a drug <laughs> on you called gabapentin. Do you want some gabapentin? Like, no, I don't want a nerf and, drug for and, my pain. And doctor, what is gabapentin? What is that exactly? I, you know, it's some, it's a drug that you prescribe for serious nerf pain. Um, is it a narcotic? Like chronic pain. No, it's not a narcotic, but it goes in your brain. It's it's a, it's a serious yeah, nerve. It's a neurotransmitter. So ner- it can okay. it can actually give you hallucinations. It can alter your mental status. Like this stuff is, is legit. And I just wanted a Tylenol. And they're offering <laughs> it like aspirin. You want a gabapentin? And you're like, what? No, I'm cool. No, can I have a Tylenol? Yeah, right away. And it never comes. Right? Yeah. And okay. I asked for it three times. I got so angry at the, at the end. It got to the point where we're like, is this some kind of gabapentin pushing industry? Like, yes. a, is this like the sales team for gabapentin? Why do they keep pushing this? And why yeah. are they not giving us Tylenol or ibuprofen or whatever? And then um, they were just so annoying about coming in and being loud all hours of the night. We're like, what the hell? I think... All the machines were going off at alarms, and they wouldn't come and turn them off. And I think what you pointed out is there was this passive aggressiveness the entire time towards the men. As towards in, me. you're not doing oh, anything ignored. here. Yeah, yeah, you're getting the the shitty bed. <laughs> that's basically a cardboard platform Awful. to sleep Awful. on. We wake you up too because mom is awake, baby is awake. Why don't? Why shouldn't we wake you up at three in the morning? So there was always this little bit aura of yes, you're just an unnecessary. Okay. So call item me, here. call me crazy, guys. It's two in the morning. It's dark. You walk into a room. It's pitch black in there. Everyone's sleeping. You think you'd be like, "Hey, mom, time to wake up. We need to, we need to check your blood pressure or whatever. How you feeling? You doing all right? Need some pain meds? Some, you know, blah blah blah." And kind of tiptoe the way out. No, they literally slam the door open. I'm not even joking. Cause slam. I wake up with a heart attack. Like, what's happening? Turn all the lights on. And they're yelling like, "Oh, hey, mom, how are you feeling? She's gonna wake the baby." (laughs) And I'm just like, what is my heart is pounding out of my chest? And I'm like, what is going on? And I'm just like, are you these people insane? What? And this happened like every night we were there. So finally, yeah. we're exhausted and we go home, right? Yeah. And I'm, then I'm, hell I'm, began. I'm skipping stuff here. Yes. So we go home and you have a, <laughs> oh, and then the doctor told you uh, when we left, like, check your blood pressure because, you know. No, they didn't tell me that at all. That's the thing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she did. I'm pretty sure. Well, I was, I don't know. I was so sleep deprived. I don't remember. I think much. verbally, but there was no written anything that said, here's your to do when you go home. Yeah. It was so just I, like, here you go. And then we went back to the OB of like your checkup after well, how many days? Well, there mind is? you, this, this first week was hell. And all of you who've had babies and took those home, you don't get an instruction manual what to do with that baby. So the first night, I was just miserable. I, I mean, I sent you to a different room, and I said, why don't you get some sleep because one of us has to be mentally with it, and it's not going to be me. Um, So I sent him out with the idea that if one of us is at least fully functioning, driving, and doing all those things, then the other one can be a mess, which was going to be me. And so I was a total mess for four days straight. I was crying probably every morning. Um, Just exhausting. Yeah, I was just, I didn't even know how to breastfeed because my milk wasn't even in. She wasn't latching. It was just miserable. So we went to the pediatrician right away. They said, oh, she might have a lip tie. We went to a pediatric dentist. Stop there. What the hell's a lip tie? Oh, it's just one of those things they make up to tell you that that's the reason why your baby (laughs) is latching. If you look underneath (laughs) your lip, your your top lip, there's like a little little string of um, skin that connects your lip to your uh, gum of your tooth. And some people have it way more than others. My dad had it really bad to the point where he had a big gap between his two front teeth. Yes. And like when we look at her, we're like, wow, she has that same gap, that same tie that goes all the way down. across. So we took her in and they actually zapped it with a little laser and cut it. And the, the theory being that would allow her to latch on better, to nurse better, and not have a big gap tooth later in life. Yes. So we this was all happening in the first four days. So clearly, they, I was not paying attention to my own health. I Heck, I wasn't even, I was lucky if I got some liquids in me and some food and just barely some sleep. And so I wasn't paying attention to my health other than that I noticed that I had legs the size of tree trunks. Oh, yeah, that's right. You were oh retaining like 30 pounds of water. You did not yeah, look I like the not same person. Good. Now, I just looked at you and said, 
post-pregnancy. They pumped you full of water during the cesarean. Yes. Um, this will all just come off with time. But then on Thursday, we went to the OB for yeah. a regular checkup, and they checked my blood pressure, and it was alarmingly high. And they said, well, that's not good. You should take your blood pressure medication that you, we prescribed for you. And I was like, what? <laughs> blood pressure medication? I didn't know about oh, that. Oh, you didn't go pick that up? No, I didn't know about it. Oh, yeah. So okay. I took it. And yes. they said if it's uh, below, if it's above a certain value, despite your blood pressure medication, you need to go to the ER. And again, being a medical professional, high blood pressure in women around birth can mean something called preeclampsia, and that sets you up for possible eclampsia, and that is basically a condition that can kill you pretty quickly if it's not, not treated. Good. Yeah, it's not good. You have high blood pressure, then you start peeing your uh, protein in your urine, then you mm. have liver failure, and eventually you have seizures, and then you die. That's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, so obviously it usually doesn't happen that way because people go to the doctor early enough and it gets treated. And so, of course, Friday morning, five days into this whole paternity After taking and maternity the, thing, the blood pressure meds, we check yep. it and oof, still sky high. Yep. So we go to the ER as told and the yeah. ER, guess what? They're like, yep, you got protein in your pee. You got to stay. We're going to admit you. And then, oh, and by the way, and you can't leave your baby here. You're, you're, somebody's got to take you. You'll be in a bed, so your husband's got to take care of the baby the whole time. Yeah, so we all got to So pitch. if he needs to leave to go somewhere, he's got to take the baby with him. Huh. Fantastic. Yeah. And, oh, and remember the horrible beds that I was sleeping in before? It had nothing on this bed <laughs> that was made of cinder blocks, diamonds, yes. and whatever. Yeah, insert. Okay, listen. Uh, yes? So while you were sleeping on cinder blocks. Yes. I had a Foley catheter in my pee hole. That's fine. There's nothing. I had an IV in my right arm. I had an IV in my left arm. I had a blood pressure cuff on my arm. I had two compression boots on my legs. I was on magnesium that gives you, by the way, a horrible, horrible tequila headache and makes you loopy, makes you dizzy. It makes you just plain miserable. And then I had the screaming infant that wanted to breastfeed every hour. Yes, but let me tell you about this bit. (laughs) My back was just sore. My neck... (laughs) Here and this so, this ladies and gentlemen is why marriages go go south after the baby. All right, is so we're in this so we're in this this hospital room and this baby is waking up screaming. I'm picking her up in the middle of the night, walking her around. I'm taking her to mom to feed, but mom's not making much milk, so we got the formula. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's night one, and then we wake up the next night and the doctor thankfully tells us good news. I think you're going to be able to go home today. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Awesome. Because I'm not staying here another night. And then he comes back later and says, ooh, my bad. Sorry, you're going to have to stay another night. The, the values aren't coming down enough. It's like, well, I'm not staying on this cinder block bed anymore. And at that point, you did not have to be on all the IVs. They took you off the meds. You were, the headache was gone, thankfully. Yep. Or a lot better, at least. Oh, yeah. it was. A, and I'm like, well, better. I'm going to take the baby back to the house, which was literally two minutes down the road. Yep. And there was formula in the and house. I'll, I'll feed the baby at night. You can get a full night's sleep. Oh, yes. So we did that. And she's at that time, it was feed her. She sleeps for three hours. Feed her. She sleeps. So that's nothing. Well, she got formula. That makes yeah, her that full was, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it was nothing for me. And then I came back to the hospital to see you in the morning with her. Took a little nap on the cinder blocks. And then we, uh, everything was good, good enough to send you home. And we yeah. came home. Yeah. And then actually things got a little easier for a good week. Yeah. I think we figured out a routine. We kind of got this thing going where I would sleep in a little bit in the morning hours after my 7 a.m. feed and you would take her. And I thought we were a really good team for a week. We would help each other out making dinner and we were just functioning pretty no, well. I was basically doing everything. Let's not, um, let's not beat around the bush. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you no. got the boobs and the feeding and all that stuff, but everything yeah. else was like yours truly. So, anywho, sure. um, for those that don't know that are new to the show, we're a we are a unique couple in that we split our time between the Republic of Texas and the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Did you know that neither of them refer to themselves as states? I know. I just didn't that, that this very second. Yeah. <laughs> so, anywho, so we were in Texas during all this baby time. And let's load up the car and drive all the way up to Kentucky to spend the next with the, uh, the cat with a cat and a baby, newborn, and a car, a Tesla, which requires uh, routine stops for charging up, which actually worked out well for the breastfeeding and all that yeah, stuff. It was perfectly timed. 
Yeah. It took about a day and a half to make that drive because of all the stops, and we actually stopped at a hotel. Boy, were we tired. Exhausted. And mind you, we I mean, we had you had been driving for 15 hours or 13 just hours. Just exhausted. I mean, Done. not that much sleep either because, I mean, you didn't sleep super great either, even though nope. you were shunned and sent to a different bedroom. So I really must say you were my absolute hero <laughs> for driving that huge distance with the screaming baby every two and a half hours, with all the stops, with the heat outside, with the cat in the back. And you had to manage everything. You had to go out and get all those coffees at Starbucks every time mm, <laughs> we stopped. I did. Then you had to go to Target at night because the hotel wouldn't provide us with a baby bed. And you had to mm. figure out a solution to provide us with a safe sleeping option for the baby. I mean, you were just killing it. On, on, like you were you were super dad it but i knew really that because you've already been super dad before yeah again i think i already mentioned this yeah i did that i had three kids prior so none of this is that completely new now this is a totally unique situation with the distance of texas kentucky and all that horse shit but yeah. it was um it, it was a familiar this kind of took me back to the old times of you go into this survival mode autopilot must survive must do must perform thing as parent specifically as in the man role. Um, and there's also that shame involved of she's done all this and she's ejected this person from her body. And it's up to me to make her as comfortable as possible and do all these things and make the baby survive. So you just go, go, go. And at some point you're just going to collapse. Um, so we got to uh, here to Kentucky, which is where we're at now. Mm-hmm. And this little shithead has decided, yeah, I'm not going to sleep through the night. I'm, I'm not going to do this whole three hours eat, three hours eat thing. Um, she's got the old reflux going on, belly aches, gas. She's farting like a demon. She's shitting just every, I don't know how often. Every diaper has She's an asshole, out. basically. Let's be honest with you. <laughs> Our daughter's a shithead. And look at her. She's just sleeping right now just blissfully like an angel. Mm-hmm. Like nothing's wrong in the yeah, world. Give her an hour. Yeah, she'll eat here, and then we'll set her down in the little crib thing next to the bed, and she'll, <laughs> that grunt right there, she'll do that way louder and for hours. And uh, just what she does. Well, hopefully, we'll get over that here soon. We're not sleeping completely through the night. Um, we got a little routine going of feed, feed, feed. I'll get up in the early in the morning, take her, keep her for three or four hours, give her back to mom, and yeah, it's a little exhausting. Plus, I'm working during all this. It's, I'm not taking paternity leave, as those people love to call it. I don't even know what the hell that is. If that even yeah, exists. but see, this is the problem. So. Rewind here a little bit. So we get to Kentucky, and you know we had this routine down, and all of a sudden, add to that three kids. Oh yeah, forgot about across all ages. You know, nine, fourteen, and seventeen. And the seventeen-year-old is mentally (laughs) twelve. That's not very nice. She's not mentally twelve. She's twelve. She regresses. She wants more daddy time that week. Sure. The fourteen-year-old is actually just fine <laughs> the nine-year-old isn't regressing but of course he's very needy and wants to be around the baby and wants to touch the baby and wants attention and is a little jealous and he admits it but he's actually very sweet and then add to that a mother-in-law that wants to stop by all the time <laughs> oh and so she does on day one for five hours I'm being the least helpful yeah for those that are uh, veterans of this show i have mentioned this phenomenon um I did a, if you go back and listen to, I did an interview with uh, one of our coaches at Dad Starting Over, Austin. Austin and his wife, Shannon. And they had a really good story about how they were, when they first had their child, they were living with the in-laws. And I shared my experience of, oh, shit, I have an in-law story. My mom, with wife number one, decided she was going to just, whether we wanted to or not, she was going to hang out and help out with the kid. And eventually my wife number one uh, said, yeah, that'll be enough of that. And she threw her and her sister uh, aunt, if you will, out of the um, house and said, "I just want me and baby time." So yes, this was bringing this was bringing back all kinds of memories. I'm like, oh shit, here we go again. <laughs> here comes no, I mean, my mom, and yes. she just parked herself on the couch and just vegged out there. And we're just like, <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, it's getting kind of dark outside. And well, mind you, I, I so your mom asked on day one, "Hey, is there anything I can help you with?" I'm like, "Yeah, that's awesome. We have three kids here that all have to be fed. Why don't you come over here and bring some food and you can hold the baby for a little bit?" So. She comes over and throws a frozen chicken on the kitchen counter. <laughs> no, not a frozen chicken. A bag of frozen chicken breasts, which we already of, had. Of which had, yeah, we, yeah, had yeah, we already the have. We already have that. Prepared food that we needed. Yeah, well, could you bring up no? And then, uh, then she sits down with the a baby. bag of rice, and then mm. she went and sat on the couch. 
And so grabbed the baby, done. snuggled her for five hours. Yep. yep. And um, so we're like, that's and not quite the help we were wanting. You know, how about, yeah. you know, mop some floor or yeah. do this? No, no. So, so we've been better since then of uh, limiting her time. Watch come on over kind of late-ish. My mom is, uh, I've mentioned on here numerous times, pretty anxious person. So she has pretty strict conditions on her life. And one of which is I don't drive when it gets dark. I don't drive when it rains. I don't do this. I don't do that. So. And uh, in a kind of a passive aggressive way, we work around those things. Yes, we're like, why don't you come <laughs> a half hour before sunset? Thirty seven o'clock sounds good for you. you know, oh shit! Look at that. An hour goes by. He better be heading back. And it, it worked. It's worked so far this week. But here's um, we did have a little fight as well in all that. So I mean, it's been four weeks. So I think my experience of this of how a marriage changes after baby is. And I've asked other women about that. You go through hell and back as a woman. You go through nine months of pregnancy, which are actually comparably fun. Um, <laughs> then you give birth, which can be easy for some women. For others, it's downright traumatizing. Some some others almost die. I, I was somewhere in the middle of all of this. Um, so you go through all that, and you chose that, right? And you knew that you signed up for this your whole life as a woman. You've prepared for this. So it's not like you're holding any grudge or anger or anything about that. But... You are. You have just been through a lot, and your compassion for other people is at a zero. So when your husband mm. says, "Ugh, mm -hmm. my shoulder is kind of hurting here," <laughs> you're like, "Go to hell right now," in your head, right? <laughs> and and if a kid comes in and says, "Oh, I'm hungry. Can you make me some food?" You're like, "Don't no, make your own dumb food." You just have absolutely no compassion because you're just trying to survive and. The husband is in the same mode. He's trying to survive. He's he, he has responsibility for a wife that's sickly, and for a, a human that's completely helpless and will die if you put her down anywhere for a half hour. So the husband is in super survival and stress mode. The wife is in super survival stress mode. Both of them have no compassion for anybody at that point. So tensions are really high. So it doesn't take much to to get things go awry. So it, mm. it takes. A mother-in-law acting up it takes a kid mm. acting up it, uh, it it doesn't take much it takes uh, one night of less sleep one diaper that explodes and gets dirt everywhere and and tensions are high and then you start say things that you don't mean or you yell at each other in a way that you usually wouldn't and i think when you have a healthy marriage you get over that okay if you if you talk about it and you make up and you know you you talk it through and you realize that's that's not you that's talking that's some sleep-deprived demon that's possessing you right now mm -hmm. but if you go into this as in a not healthy marriage then you are guaranteed that your marriage is going to fall apart once the baby is there because i think the baby is one of the ultimate tests it is the, the ultimate test yeah other than a major disease yeah it's true yeah which some kids can, can be considered a major disease <laughs> because let's be honest the uh, uh let's say you know I've, I've often painted the ideal picture for how a relationship quote should start and that's obviously a very subjective thing. But the, re the relationship should start as a very, wow, who the, who the hell is that over there? She looks good. Oh, he's cute enough. Let's talk. I really like him. I really like her. Let's get to know each other. Oh, holy shit, we've fallen in love. And then there's this over-the-top physical side of it um, where it's physical and emotional and you're so intimately connected. Um, nothing is a bigger high than that for both people. And it's akin to a drug. It really is. It's like a, a shot of heroin. Um, so take that shot of heroin, which we have been experiencing for a good seven plus years, and all of a sudden take that drug away, so to speak. Really, it is. When you, when you um, throw a little human and all the stress involved of bringing the human into that world, and then the stress is after that, and all, and especially from a man, you will say, um, <clears throat> Can I have my heroin back now, please? And especially from a guy, and from my perspective, and this is, by the way, a um, a scenario, a, um, mind frame perspective that is getting more and more common these days, which is I've been there and done that before with a relationship and children, and I saw how bad it can get. And I saw how my my partner morphed into something that I wasn't very attracted to and everything kind of went downhill, blah, 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 blah. But I was, in hindsight, to blame for X percent of this, et cetera, et cetera. So you have that always in the back of your mind. So when you watch your wife, who's sleep-deprived and angry, turn into basically a different person, completely different person, it floods you with all these thoughts of, holy shit, what have I done? 
Um, here I am, 46-year-old man with a newborn. Eh, not quite what I had planned. <laughs> And it's very easy to slip into a whole lot of negative thought after that. Oh, yeah, same here. And for some men and women, it can slip into, you know what, F this. Yeah. And I've heard that more often than not. I shouldn't say more often than I've heard that a surprisingly large number of times from men where it's um, the woman, it's such a monumental mind F for them that they brought this kid into the world and it shifts everything for them. And more often than not, these women have a lot of chaos in their past, you know, past abuse and so forth. And the kid seems to be the tipping point. And then I've talked to some men who used to be real big. Um, oh, the term they use is players. You know, those guys that had a lot of women in their wake. Man, I, you know, slept with 200 different women and I had fun and partying and yada, yada, yada. And <laughs> the baby's smiling right now. <laughs> She's liking the story. And, um, and then... I got married and started, quote, settle down, and then I had a kid. And that just put everything into focus of all that fun's behind me. All that banging the 19-year-olds is done forever and ever. All that this is, and now I'm suddenly trapped, quote, unquote, trapped in this scenario. And I've talked to some men where they freak the F out about that. Obviously, I'm not in that world, um, but there was a there was and continues to be an element of this is a little bit more um, uh, uh, taxing than what I remember. Uh, I'm older, and so physically, mentally, not not as strong as I was when I was in my late 20s before. Um, So it's a little tougher, and it's exhausting. And uh, you know what makes it doubly hard is that this world of the dad starting over thing is really starting to take off. And by this, you know, five years from now, this could be a legitimate, holy shit kind of business. And uh, where it could be a machine that runs itself. So I am very much of, yay, raw, let's do this. And I'm very much focused in, um, not quite obsessed is the wrong word, but. um, You're in a building phase. Very much a building. So it's exciting. Yeah. And so when I get a text message from somebody or email from somebody that has to deal with this, and it's something that could down the line result in money and could result in a lot more members or readers or somebody's texting me about, will you be on my podcast? I'm all excited and everything else. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) it's just like, buzzkill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't have that before. (laughs) And I got to say, yeah, I think what I'm experiencing now is perfectly healthy and normal. And actually, if you don't experience that as a man, what the hell's wrong with you? I th- and I think that's the big, big part of it is to remind yourself that all of this is normal. Because yeah, I, I've it's had okay moments. To feel these no, I've had. I mean, I love this baby. She's amazing. She's cute, and I'm looking forward to every moment as a family. But I've had moments where I was like, "What the fuck did I do? <laughs> Can I give her back?" Like my life was awesome before. I had a great life. We had a wonderful life. We were traveling. I had a great career. It was already really busy. I was making a lot of money. Now I'm spending like 60K or something on a nanny. You can X that out, but I'm just saying. I'm spending a significant amount of money on a nanny. I'm no longer getting sleep. My boobs are going to be saggy in six months. Well, you don't know that for a fact. Yeah, but you know. They and my husband and I don't. I know. <laughs> my husband and I don't recognize each other anymore. Like, what am I doing? What was I thinking? I've had those moments, and I had one friend. I have one friend of all my friends that has admitted, yes, if you, if I knew what it took and what it takes to be a mom, and I could go back, I would never do it again. Wow. Yeah, I know one friend, and none of them, nobody else has admitted that to me because there's just too much guilt and shame around that. Is that the one who's very out of place in the place she lives right now? Yes, yeah. I figured. And uh, but hey, wait a minute. Wait, let's yeah, well, stop that's there. that's. <laughs> they're, they're planning on having another one. Yeah, yeah, but let's not go down there. What the, the hell's the, wrong with people? Okay, right. but I'm just saying, I would not. I would still. I have asked myself that. I was like, would I do this again? And I guess I would, but but I don't think I completely understood just how taxing it would be. And just like you just said, it, it's just it takes everything out of you. And I've been through pediatric surgery fellowship. I thought I had been through the ringer, but it's <laughs> definitely worse. Well, but and, and, it's normal. It's yeah. normal to doubt yourself. It's normal to get angry. It's normal to be weak. It's normal to cry. And you get through all of this, and it'll be okay. That's what yeah. you have to remind yourself of. And you yeah. cannot lose each other in that process until you get out of that tunnel. And that's why we went on a date night yesterday. We did. Without the baby. We went to the beer, beer garden. It was so fun. 
It was. Just to have beer. And for those wondering, my mom watched the baby for a couple hours, and it went fine. Nobody got hurt. No. No injuries of any kind, no whatever. But anyway. Well, except for the bleeding nose scratch. Yeah, she did scratch herself. Just think she's got going on. Not only is she an asshole, but she likes to hurt herself. So there you go. That's good stuff right there. Um, <laughs> you know, in going back to me, this is the Dad Starting Over podcast, and how I, um, I can differentiate my mindset now between what was then. What was then was I was erroneously thinking – Dude, you got to throw anything and everything away about you that does not uh, pertain to baby. And so I threw myself 100% into Mr. Mom mode, which on the surface and to everyone evolved was like, holy shit, he's just the greatest dad ever. Look at him. I hope you caught that. I'll I'll edit that out. That was my daughter taking a giant shit on the microphone. Anyways, (laughs) Um, where was I? So... I think now I'm more cognizant of, no, I've created a person, a persona that is outside of the world of dad, and I really, really don't want to let go of that in any way, shape, or form. And so it's this delicate balancing act. I would hope if you were honest with everyone and if they said, how's your husband doing in all this, I would hope you would say he's done anything and everything that you could imagine that's suspected of him. He's helped out around the house in every way possible. He's, he's volunteered to take the kid during this and this. He's done that. He's, I have no complaints. And so, oh, I, so, I agree. I, yes. and so I've been very cognizant of that. If, if like, and it's not in terms of I better do this or else everyone will think I'm a bad dad. It's just like, no, this is kind of my mission. Part of my mission now is um, help run this machine. And well, if, I, is... if I watch this machine fall apart and everything, I'm just as much to blame as mom here and everybody else is. So I better do my part. Well, this is a time where both of us have to work together because this does not cannot be done by one person alone. No, and that's the resentment I get from a lot of women that that, that say, "Oh, my husband wasn't around after the baby was born. He yeah. went right back to work." But he, I can understand that because work, but work is a um, rewarding thing. Well, plus the mom is is it's constantly feeding thing. the baby. It's a also. nagging thing. It's a screaming baby yeah. thing. It's a no versus I go back to my work and it's it's like well. John, thanks for coming back to the office. You're a real go-getter that you just had a baby and you're already back here. That's right. And here's your reward with your extra project and your raise. And he's like, yay. And then he goes home to wah, 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 and wife of nagging, nagging, nagging. And I could totally understand that completely. Um, So there's that delicate balancing act. I could come down here in my, my basement office and say DSO stuff for the next eight hours and slam the door and say, leave me alone. Don't bother me. I got a lot of stuff to do. Um, and I do that for an hour or two, but then I go run back upstairs and I'm sweeping the floor and I'm putting the dishes up and I'm helping change her and I'm doing things. And I go, all right, back downstairs I go. And it's, uh, it's flipping exhausting for sure. But that's, that is the bed I've made and I got to lie in it and, uh, why not make the best of it and really try to excel at it and uh, make the best I can out of it. Um, it's this version this of it's this version of it's temporary. Yeah. There's a different version of it coming up next month and next sure. year and five years from now and 10 years from now. Um, they're a little, sure. in a way they get easier. Like with our, my youngest son's age, um, he still needs attention, but he's still very, um, autonomous in a lot of ways. When they get to that point, it gets a hell of a lot easier. Got to be honest with you. All right. We had to pause there for a bit, guys. Uh, baby needed to feed. The boob is officially out. Just painted a picture here. Big mom boob, engorged, swollen, leaking wow. mom boob. Okay. No, you can have Round. some of that. Sh- I don't. I don't. She keeps. I don't know what this. If this is a German thing or what this is, but she keeps offering me her breast milk. Yeah, not wanted. You know, kind of gross. Yeah, I'm not food. judging. Some dudes are into that. I know the Germans are into the poop and all that other stuff. Not. But, uh, you know, whatever floats your boat there. Okay, so for the record, the Germans mm. are not into poop. Mm. Mm. That's just what a poop liker would say. <laughs> so, um, anywho, so while you're doing that, we wanted to talk about, oh, the next topic, which is, all right, so for those that don't know, I wrote a book. Many of you are here on this podcast and familiar with my website and everything because of a book I wrote 
And for those that don't know, it's a relatively popular book called The Dead Bedroom Fix. And it was my own personal take on, hey, a lot of marriages end up in uh, no sex land. And here's what you can do about it, men. Um, so with that in mind, the obvious question on a lot of guys' minds is, hey, you guys had a baby about a month ago. So what's that done to your sex life, huh? I bet you guys aren't having anything now, are you? So uh, I don't know how graphic we want to get this. But yes, we're doing things. There are things that we cannot do physically. The doctor says, please don't do that. I don't know if the doctor picked up on a vibe of us being very sexual or no, what, she just, but she was just like, no sex. You want to go on birth control now. You want to do this and no sex six weeks. No, <laughs> no sex. It's like, all right, I easy. I think that's just what they do. Okay. <laughs> but um, I think the point that we're trying to make is, yes, the bedroom is hibernating a little bit, but, but him picking up so much and giving me those very needed hours of extra sleep here and there puts me in a mood of Oof, I, I can actually think about other things and sleeping right now and i i don't mind getting that little kiss on the neck right every now and then or that little slap on the butt and let me go take a shower i make a point of showering every day and you know trying to look somewhat presentable um because i don't want to go down the rabbit hole of just lying lying on the couch in my jammies for weeks in my own filth it, smelling like sour milk oh, that's hot i want to be attractive to the husband that has to see me every day for the next 10 weeks or so and um and so yeah we we try to be romantic where we can sneak little kisses in make out in the kitchen and then whatever is possible um we, we if the mood takes us there then we'll do it and mm -hmm. i think it's but it's it's because you're picking up the slack so much and because we work together as a team and you create that scene of, oh, let's do something romantic and then, hey, I'm going to work out and I'm coming back and let me see, let me tell you about those good looking girls at the gym that I saw. Mm. <laughs> so I think you, you bring that into into our marriage right now in a very tasteful and in good way where it, it just fits in right and, and at least it brings the topic back into the marriage so that our hibernating bedroom isn't actually dead. It's just toned down a bit. Mm -hmm. Well put. Now, um, you, you though hit on something of, I think because he, he gives me time because he's doing all these things that help us don't misinterpret this guys as all right. I, I, if I go make the bed and, and clean up the house, this, my sex party awaits. No, no, it's, it's just a, it's a tiny part of a entire picture. And our, our scenario is a little different that we have a newborn for God's sake. So, you know, can you imagine a wife who wakes up from some kind of, brief nap and she's just all tired and feeling gross and she walks into the kitchen and sees a pile of dishes you know up to the ceiling it's not going to help out in any way shape or form versus a man who's sitting there on the couch because he just got done doing two hours worth of chores and everything's taken care of she doesn't have to worry about anything um it's just i would hope if the if the you know let's play pretend and say i got hit by a bus tomorrow well probably not with this baby here but in a normal non-baby day, let's say I got completely incapacitated in some way or crippled in some way, I would hope that my partner would step up and do the extra little things that would make me so that I could uh, heal properly and, and, and get back in the saddle and so forth. That's just what you do as your partner. Yes. And you don't do those things because, man, I hope I get a blowjob out of this. <laughs> I do those things because that's just, that's just what you do. So don't hear Mrs. DSO saying uh, the fact that he did all this stuff is the reason that I'm feeling the, the least bit sexual. <clears throat> I had to take another little break there. I apologize if some of the, the cuts here are, are abrupt or it's not edited together. When this is all said and done, we'll edit it together. But we've had to make a few stops here for the baby screaming, and I don't want that on the microphone. And she's now switched to the other boob, and now she's feeding again. So I think she's looks like she's calming down. We'll get the occasional grunt here, but anywho, so uh, the whole concept of chores and stuff—it's not—it's—it's it's again, it's setting the tone, and um, I guess this begs the question of what would I do if I just, no matter what I did, here's a difficult question. I did everything I'm doing now, and then some. I'm playing the part to a T. I'm Mr. Helpful. I'm doing everything I can. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, and you just are like, get the hell away from me. To which some women do. That's just their reaction is, 
not only am I not feeling sexy in this moment, but I'm actually completely repulsed by you, Mr. Man. Anything to do with you, I want nothing to do. It's just almost like they become this, uh, no, I don't know. But you, you don't have to say, get the hell away from me. You can say, and hey, so sweetie, you know, I'm, I'm really feeling gross and just not in the mood. And do, is it okay if we just table this or do it another time? I mean, I'm honestly, I'm not feeling very sexy most of the time. But I'm also thinking, as a wife, you sometimes just kind of suck it up and get over that initial, no, I don't want to do anything sexual. Because, as a matter of fact, once you kind of get your mood set up right, you are you are feeling in the mood. It's just that initial instinct often is, ugh, on top of everything that I've already done, I have to do this now? No, it, that's not how it is. The second that you're like, hmm, actually, not that he brings it up, kind of am in the mood that's that's the thing that a lot of women don't get to i mm. think it's the initial instinct of oh, oh god don't pile that on top of everything else just go away but i i feel that too but then i'm like wait a minute that's not true i just haven't thought about sex all day but now that he's bringing it up i'm actually in the mood but and i, I actually find you attractive. let me say do i bring it up am i like let's do this no, but I mean, you bring it up in my brain by being <laughs> sexual. So I don't even... By the, d- by the nipple on your neck in the kitchen. By, by, yes, by the correct. little squeeze of your butt. Yes. By the, you look so pretty, come yes, here, give me a kiss. You just bring sexy back into but, the But day. notice, those are things all through the day. What I don't do is act like a grump, don't do anything, yada, yada, yada. And then by the end of the day, all of a sudden, I'm laying in bed next to you and I just go... Your pants, pants down. <clears throat> let's, uh, so, this, so, so, this, so. this dick ain't going to suck itself. <laughs> That would go well. That would go well. Yeah, so that's not what I'm doing, right? It's, no. <laughs> no. I'm still showing you that, hey, I love you, and I'm sweet. Yeah, you're, and you're just reintroducing an element into a day that is completely asexual for me. There you go. And you're introducing it by just very subtle little things, but by, by, by being sweet about it. And that just brings that idea back into my head like i'm not even thinking about it. if like if you remember if you imagine all day long all you're thinking is feeding this infant mm. and f- somehow finding a shower finding some time to drink some finding some time to eat then sex is the last thing on your mind unless somebody comes in and you know tickles your neck as you little kiss slaps your butt in a very loving and sweet and sexy way or playful way and all of a sudden you're oh yeah i'm also this other person and and I don't want to lose that person, and I actually enjoy being that person. And, oh, yeah, why don't we make out in the kitchen for the next 10 minutes? That's what you're doing right, and I think that's what a lot of people don't, don't do. Mm-hmm. They're too, fr- too afraid to do that. What are they afraid of? I think they're the afraid of rejection, nature? the physicalness. They don't know how to touch their wives. Oh, I they see. don't know if their wives want to be touched. And guess what? We, we kind of do. You just have to do it in the right, very subtle way. So, uh, But uh, some men listening to this... There is a contingent of men out there that are very much like, F women, I'm tired of this nonsense. It's always up to us men to do everything, Jesus Christ, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I can see some of them, those types listening to that saying, here we go. It's up to the man to pursue. Otherwise, the woman just wouldn't do anything ever. And to that, you say what? That I say, um, yeah. When was the last time you made a human, pooped it out, and then (laughs) breastfed them 24-7? So you can see why, guys, <laughs> having a kid is the biggest obstacle to having a healthy sexual intimacy. Now, yeah. uh, you know, I always say when women are in mom mode, they're only in mom mode. You have to pull them out of mom mode. And that may mean, no, mother-in-law is going to watch the kiddo. You and I are going out for a few hours. It may mean the kids are, ta- the kids are taken care of. Don't worry about it. You and I are going away for a weekend. It may mean your own little special secret sexy thing that you do when the kids all go to bed. Who knows what it may mean. But, guys, I'm telling you, this whole, hey, um, I I work and make six figures a year. Um, I clean the kitchen, goddammit. And I did all this, this, and this. Uh, Where's my sex? All right, we had to do another cut there as the baby started doing some screaming, so I apologize if she's screaming in the background. Mrs. D is those kind of walking away in the background here. But to summarize, it's been about an hour or so. So to wrap it up, um, it's been a tough first month, you know, with the delivery itself being tough. The going back to the hospital thing, the drive, bringing the kid here, the kid not being the greatest sleeper in the world. Uh, 
trying to reintroduce the sexuality back in our relationship. But I think you can hear the general tone between the two of us is that we're both cognizant of all of this. And we're both aware that what kind of work it takes to make all this happen. And it does take two to tango. But I think you can hear from Mrs. DSO's tone. It's one of you, dude, are kind of in the driver's seat of a lot of this. And I think that's what a lot of people have a really tough time with. And a lot of guys listening to this kind of kicking their feet back and saying, better you than me, dude. Uh, F that. I'm not doing any of that nonsense. To which I say, cool, Mr. Bachelor dude, have at it. Enjoy your life. This shit ain't for everybody. And it's not for everybody right now in your life. When I look back on my previous marriage and stuff, was I ready for this at the age of 28? That's when I had uh, kid number one at the age of 28. Um, 28 or 29. No, probably not. Now, Mother Nature told me, and Mother Nature told ex-wife, it's time to procreate. And everyone in her family and so forth said, while you're waiting, you're closing in on the big three zero. It's getting kind of late, isn't it? And you start having some kiddos, which is kind of funny in hindsight. But um, as you can see, it takes a level of maturity. You need to have some certain kind of emotional and uh, emotional intelligence, some tools in your toolbox to make this stuff work. Young, inexperienced, still trying to get comfortable in his own skin, still getting his feet wet guy, and all of a sudden, here you go, here's a new human to take care of, and here's a couple more to take care of. Oof. No wonder it kind of went downhill. And the connection that you can hear that Mrs. DSO and I have, in no way, shape, or form did I have that level of connection with wife number one. And I'm not going to sit here and belittle her and tell her what an awful human being she was and et cetera, et cetera. She had her good points. Um, but I would think she would probably say, yeah, it was a little too soon for all of that. I wasn't quite ready either at that stage of my life. Um, so I guess that's a roundabout way of saying uh, the shit ain't easy. It takes two of you. And even then it's tough. So we're going to keep at it. And it's only been one month in. Pretty good so far. Uh, every month is going to bring some new obstacle and some new change and some new level of development in baby and new development in us. And uh, you know where the next big milestone's going to come, Mrs. DSO, is your return to the workplace. Oh my gosh, yes. That's going to be the big, oh, holy Test shit. for everything, yes. Because it's going to be the logistics of life. We're, we're, you know, being the fact that you're a physician and that I'm doing well and so forth allows us yeah. the financial ability to hire help. That's true. Which a lot of human beings in the world, the vast majority of which say, well, lucky you. Because at the most, we have some daycare center that we drop the kid off. We got to go pick up at five o'clock. We're going to have actually someone in the home to help out. So that helps. But um, that doesn't negate the fact that Mrs. DSO's work life is at times insanely busy with i don't know if you know in the in the world of doctors being on call specifically surgeons which is what mrs dso is she's a a pediatric surgeon which means a surgeon for kids um there are times in her schedule where she is on call which means ring ring the phone rings or the text message comes in or whatever at 2 a.m saying uh, we got some kid that's coming in here about an hour we're gonna need you to come in she's gotta go do that she's gotta go do that with a new little one and she's gonna have to rely on Sally the nanny to take over and help out. And uh, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be that very human, very natural guilt of I'm leaving this kiddo with this stranger and off to do work. Uh, I'm curious to see. There is um, there is a school of thought, especially amongst the more conservative people, of um, a woman's place is not so much in the workplace, but it's more in the home and it's more with the kiddos. And if you think otherwise, you're fooling yourself. Um, I think th that's very much probably the case for a lot of women. Um, maybe I'm a little biased in being your husband, but your career and your work is a little different than somebody who's you know the vice president of sales for Acme Company. It's like this has been kind of your quote-unquote calling since you were a kid. Yes, I'm very much looking forward to going back to work. So it's... Uh, you know, as a physician, as a healer, as a person who wants to save lives and to suddenly say that very crucial part of your, uh, your personality, your being, your life, your everything is suddenly, yeah, that's got to go away because you had a kid. 
no, you're not going to be so quick to just dump all of that. That's very much part of you. And so you need to, you need to make those two worlds jive together. World of mom, new mom, and world of surgeon. Who's and, and the long-distance relationship, mind you. Literally saving lives. And so on top of all that, Jesus Christ, the more you, you talk about it, the more difficult it gets, is that we have the two homes, Kentucky, Texas. Um, she's, we're going to go back together to Texas, stay a little bit there, and I'm going to leave her and say, I'm heading back to Kentucky. See you in a week. <coughs> and then I'll come back to Texas for a few days. I'll say, see you later. See you in another week. Then I'll leave for five days or so and then come back again. Um, some guys listen to this say, I'm a traveling salesman. It sounds like my world. Or I'm a truck driver. It sounds like my world or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's still pretty, pretty stressful thing, especially for a new mom, new dad. who They kind of need each other. So we're going to have to weave our way through that. Thankfully, we have in-home help. Um, she's going to be coming here sometimes with the baby too in Kentucky. Um, she gets a lot of, for those that haven't listened to this before, she gets a lot of time off, thankfully. Uh, so, you know, 12 weeks of how much vacation total, 14 weeks total vacation per year. So that's good or time off per year. So we got a lot of wiggle room there that we can make this work. So this ain't easy, but our whole relationship has been kind of, this ain't easy. You know, listen back to some of the past episodes. Just do a search in, in the Dad Starting Over podcast for Mrs. DSO and you'll see and you'll hear some of our story. None of this has been easy up to this point whatsoever. But we both agree, kind of worth it. And we're making it work. And every day we're kind of glad we did. And I think hearing from others, the reactions to our situation, they're kind of wide-eyed like, oh, holy shit, you guys do that? And we're just kind of like, well, yeah. Why the hell wouldn't we? I, and uh, even though I've questioned my myself in this whole decision to try this baby thing, <laughs> I'm super grateful that we did it because uh, this is an aspect of our relationship that we hadn't explored yet, and, and I find myself loving you even more after a month. So I think as we go through this journey, as long as we work hard on it and on each other, <clears throat> we'll come out just fine mm -hmm. and be happy, and it'll be a rewarding experience to have a baby together and raise her together. So I look forward to future episodes of this, keeping you guys in the loop to what's going on. And uh, with Mrs. Diaz, so here, a longer period of time off of work. Again, she's also fortunate enough to take months off of work here for maternity leave, as opposed to some of you poor folks out there. And my first marriage, my poor first wife was all about, it's four, three, four weeks later, I'm going back to work. And in hindsight, I look back at that and I go, Jesus, how did she do that? You know, salute to her. Um, for doing that, but at the same time, how unhealthy that was. And so, yeah, I don't know, but we're blessed to be able to take extended time off, hire some help. And um, oh, here's a question for you. I was about to just say, and we're done, but one last question. No nannies, no extended maternity leave. You don't have those building blocks in place. Do you have a kid? Mm -hmm. Honestly, I remember that I told myself um, – that I will not do this baby thing without a minimum maternity leave. So I don't know if that would have meant me quitting the job mm. or if that would have just meant me not having a baby. But I don't know. I, I probably... I, the, the urge to have a baby is really strong, and mm. it was very strong for me, almost to a point where, like, this has to happen what at whatever cost. But I don't know what I would have done without the financial freedom and the freedom of the job that I have. I I don't. I really, really highly doubt that I would have been able to 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 make that work and that I would be as happy as we are right now. There's, I mean, there's a big contingent of people out there that are like, "Don't you dare start talking about money and the logistics of life when it comes to having kids. Just shut up and procreate and do it." To which I've always kind of winced and said, Jesus, if there's any part of your life that requires a good sit down, let's think about this. It's yeah. bringing another human into the yeah, world. This whole there's never a good time to have a human. It, just have it now. No, I don't, I don't, get that I don't agree I with really that. Don't. It I'm, was a way worse time to have a human in my life. Well, let's think about <laughs> fellowship. For you I mean, let's think about the origin of that sentiment. Um, we're at a period in our in our life of civilization uh, with the human race where we can kind of afford to, and we're seeing, a, we're seeing the, the, the birth rate drop dramatically in your, um, it seems like higher education, higher money, lower the birth rate simply because those people are sitting there thinking, eh, it's not quite time yet. Um, 
and a lot of people are very against that, saying that's that's not a good thing. We need to be making more babies, more babies, more babies. That's a very old-fashioned kind of thought of uh, if we don't procreate, the human race comes to an end kind of thing. Um, we've got a lot of people out there. Human race is not going to come to an end. Uh, the economy may very well suffer as a result of not uh, replacing humans at the same rate. But, hey, we're going down a whole different tangent of... The philosophy, economics, political nonsense, and the baby screaming, as you can probably hear in the background. So I think that's a good point for me to wrap this up. So we're going to shut this down. We're going to go back and listen to it and edit out all the baby screams as much as humanly possible, of which there was a lot, and all the pauses. So thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it a great deal. Sorry it's been a while for one of these episodes, but as you can hear, I've been a little busy. But uh, we're going to try to get these to come a little bit more frequently from now on. All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening. You have a wonderful day. And check it out. Dadstartingover.com is the website. Dadstartingover.com. Follow us on all the social media. I've been a little bit more active on the old Twitter here lately. And I've been posting uh, screen caps of my tweets on Facebook. And they've been getting a lot of... uh, a lot of um, shares and likes and comments. Kind of interesting to see. So check it out and get in on the discussion. And once again, check out the DSO fraternity, which is the members-only portion of the website at dadstartingover.com. A lot going on, including our first ever annual member live in-person meetup in Nashville, Tennessee. Coming up September 10th and 11th. I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much. DSO from dadstartingover.com signing out. Have a good one. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.